And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. How many of us love those verses at Christmas time? But if we're really honest, I want to ask a question. How many of us have this tension that says, on the one hand, I cling to that hope and promise of, of peace on earth? But on the other hand, I, I look around and I, I still see a lot of sin. I still see a lot of strife. I still see a lot of suffering. Maybe you're like our family who lost a couple loved ones this year and the hole seems just a little bigger at Christmas time. There's someone we're not going to get to call and talk to this year. Maybe for you it's a, a disease or a condition that's ravaging your body and it's wearing you down. Maybe you relate to someone who I heard say it this way, just bluntly, I, I hate my body. You know, for many of us at Christmas time, the hope of, of Christmas is mingled with hurt. Can, can we be honest enough to, to admit that in this fallen world? So this morning, I, I want to meet us there. I want to tell you about a Christmas poem that was written years ago that deals with this balance that we have in this world between hurt and hope. It was written by a man named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Elisha's going to put his picture up there so you can see what he looked like. There he is. In 2014, author Justin Taylor shared some of the story behind the, the Christmas poem that he wrote. It was March of 1863 when Henry's son Charles, and we'll see a picture of him there, 18 years old, he left their house in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That house, we'll show you a picture of, was a mansion which, interestingly enough, had been used by Washington as his headquarters. Can you show us that house, Elisha? Thank you. That's their home in Cambridge. And now we're going to leave a picture up the rest of the time with dad and son so you can uh, keep their pictures in your mind. Unknown to his family, Charlie, as they called him, left to, to join the Union Army in the Civil War. So a military official wrote to Henry wanting permission for that to happen, and, and Henry gave it. Charlie was the oldest of six in that family, born to Henry and his wife, Fanny. And this was a family that knew its share of tragedy. Charlie was the oldest of six, one of whom had died as an infant. Less than two years before Charlie left, his family faced another nightmare. Charlie's mother, Fanny, was busy in the kitchen one day and her dress caught fire. Her husband, Henry, heard the noise and woke up from a nap and tried to put out the fire first with a rug and then with his own body. 
But Fanny, already severely burned, died the next morning. That was July 10th, 1861. And Henry's own burns were so bad that he could not attend his own wife's funeral. As he talked about how intense his grief was, he feared at times that he would end up in an asylum because he grieved so intensely. His own burns were so bad that he stopped shaving, which is what led to him growing that beard that we, we know him by today. Now fast forward a couple years. It was December 1st, 1863. Henry was eating alone when a telegram came. It said Charlie had been severely wounded in the war wrongly stating that he had been shot in the face. In truth, he had been shot through one of his shoulders. The bullet went through, barely missing his spine by less than an inch, barely missing paralysis. So Henry traveled to D.C. to to meet up with Charlie. And when he met with Charlie and the surgeons there, he was shocked when the surgeon told him paralysis was still a possibility on the table for his son. Later that night, some other surgeons had better news, but they said, hey, this is going to be a long recovery for Charlie, maybe up to to six months. So on Friday, December 25th, 1863, Henry, a 57-year-old widowed, father of now five, the oldest of which was was nearly paralyzed as the country tore itself apart. Henry sat down that Christmas day and wrote a poem which captured the tension in his heart, that, that caption between hurt, that tension between hurt and hope and in the world that he saw around him on Christmas day. See, on the one hand, he heard the Christmas bells ringing in Cambridge, in his case, and he heard the the singing of peace on earth. But on the other, he looked around and he saw the injustice and the violence that seemed to mock that promise. Within a decade, it was put to music and became a Christmas song. Does anybody know what it's called? Yes. I heard the bells on on Christmas Day. I want to show you some of the lyrics. First, hope. He wrote, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then the hurt. Then from each black accursed mouth, and to be clear here, he's speaking of the cannons, as we'll see in the next line, the cannons of the war. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, 
goodwill to men. And then hope again. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Before we leave, Aaron's going to play that song for us so we can hear it and take those words in. 159 years after the Christmas day that it was written. And as we do this Christmas, of course, I, I hope we look back to our Savior's first coming as a baby in the manger. We think of that. We think of a heavenly father who not only gave permission for his son to enter the battle, but took the initiative and willingly sent his son on your behalf and mine. As John put it simply, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And you think about why he came. You think about 1 John 3, 8. It says the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in that Savior? I hope we look back. But did you know that one of the other reasons for Christ's first coming was to prepare for his second future coming. Listen to what's written in Hebrews 9.28. Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. How many of the, us is that? We're eagerly waiting. So my hope this Christmas is that we will not only look back, but also look forward, that we will cling to the same hope that Henry Longfellow did, hope in Jesus Christ, our, our soon coming and victorious king, who will ensure that the wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, Goodwill to men. I think about that mindset of hope even in the hurt. And I think about something Carolyn shared with me this week. It was written by someone dealing with the pain of a miscarriage at Christmas. And I want you to listen to the words she wrote. And see if you don't relate in whatever hurt you find yourself. She wrote, in a season defined as merry and bright, it's easy to believe that Christmas isn't really for the hurting. For most of my life, I assumed that Christmas was the worst possible time of year to walk around with a broken heart. But after grieving through the holidays last year, I found that it's actually quite the opposite. Christmas is for the heavy laden. She went on, you're not missing out on Christmas. Your hurt has positioned you to experience Christmas's deepest meaning because the weight of a heavy heart makes the relief of a savior that much sweeter. 
The good news of Christmas is this. Jesus was born to redeem whatever hurt is breaking your heart right now. Christmas is about Emmanuel, our God with us, stepping into our pain and brokenness here on earth to bring us hope. It's about our desperate need for a savior and the God who kept his promise to send one. She closes with this. So if your heart hurts this Christmas, remember that's exactly why we celebrate this season. Our savior has come and he is coming again. Take your hurt to Jesus and celebrate Christmas exactly where you are. Rejoice because the weary world has a savior. And so do you. Her words remind me of a psalm. Psalm 126, 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. They remind me of a beatitude we read recently. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's pray. Lord. I thank you for Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ, who offers us hope even in the hurt, who, who entered the hurt himself on our behalf. And I pray especially this Christmas that for any in this room who know deeply what we're talking about, that he would meet them in a powerful way, that Emmanuel would be strong on their behalf. And as I pray that as we listen to the words of this beautiful poem set to music, that we would do as we talked about, not only look back to that precious baby in a manger, but look forward to our coming King who will make all things right. And if we have not put our faith in Him today, it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Stadt, der du darfst.